Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 16. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, I want to make sure you are following What Should I Read Next on Instagram. You can find us there at What Should I Read Next, where you'll find good books, info about the people I'm talking to, peeks behind the scenes, and lots of goodness for the reading life. Today, my guest is Grace Martin, a 12-year-old bibliophile who lives with her family outside Chicago. Grace loves Harry Potter, dystopian novels, and strong plotting, and she's incredibly well-spoken about her taste in literature. I also chat a bit with Grace's mom, Lara, about raising readers and helping our kids find the good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's get to it. Lara, welcome to the show. Hi, Anne. Thanks for having us on today. Oh, well, thank you for letting me talk to you and your 12-year-old. This is so fun. I'm looking forward to uh, your suggestions for her because I've spent most of my life as a part-time job, at least, trying to find books for her to read. I can only imagine, based on the list of titles she told me, that she is loving. Now, are you a reader yourself? How did you happen to raise a daughter who loves books so much? (laughs) My husband and I both are avid readers, but um, Grace goes way beyond that. And it's almost, it seems like an addiction. I remember when she was growing up, she read the whole childcraft manuals. And by the time I had my second daughter, she had placed um, the childcraft for parents on my pillow one night to try and help (laughs) me out. So she she'll pick up books that I'm reading. um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully there's something that's appropriate, but also reads very widely, nonfiction, fiction, anything. So Uh yes. Now, I I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old. Those are my oldest two. And a struggle that we run into is they're strong readers. They can read almost anything, but it doesn't mean they're ready to read almost anything. Is that something that you've dealt with? Definitely. What what does that look like? Well, I have friends that, you know, they say that they read every book before their child reads it, and I just physically cannot do that. I understand, yeah. So I... um, do leave some of the balancing of that out. Um, I feel like Grace is pretty self-aware and, you know, if she's getting to something that she doesn't feel comfortable with, she'll stop reading it or she'll talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of built a little bit of trust in that area because I just can't read everything before she does. Right. I understand. So it sounds like you all have pretty open conversations about books and the content of books in your house. We do very much. And my husband um, owns a business. And so she's and also is interested in history and politics and Mm -hmm. the economy. And so Grace has read widely in that area. And just, you know, it's kind of been a funny thing growing up because with having her as a one of, you know, my first child, but Mm -hmm. she was my first experience with all this. And it was hard because, you know, a lot of times you're encouraging your child to read and sometimes she would it would be her punishment basically not to be able to read. <laughs> so, you know, people thought we were crazy, but that seemed to work, you know, some. So so it sounds like it's pretty precious to her. Oh, yes. And every minute she well, and teachers have told us at every school that she's been at that she can walk and read at the same time and always has her has a book with her. She's very social, too, but she sneaks in books as much as she can. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that. Well, thanks for talking with me, Lara, and thanks for putting her on. Yes. Here's Grace. 
Hello. Hi, Grace. It's great to talk to you today. Thanks for coming on. Great to talk to you, too. Thanks okay. for having me on. Oh, it is my pleasure. Grace, tell us a little bit about yourself. How Book old wise, are you? Like, I'm 12. And what grade is that? I technically should be in sixth grade, but I skipped first grade, so I am in seventh. Okay. Is that middle school in Illinois? Yeah. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about how you became such a reader. Well, I mean, I've been reading basically ever since I was born. I read a lot growing up. I'm reading a lot now. And I mean, I think a lot of it stemmed from one night my mom was starting to read me Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. And I kept asking for her to read another chapter and another chapter until we finished the entire book <laughs> that night. So was that the book that, that you remember is really making you fall in love with reading? Yeah. That is awesome. So what is your reading life like right now? Well, I mean, I'm reading a lot. Like, I mean, of course, I have like stuff socially that's going on, but... Mm -hmm. I'm reading a lot. I like to usually read at least before I go to bed to help me calm down. And I've gotten through a lot of books this way, although sometimes they've kept me up. How many books is a lot to you? Well, I mean, one book in a general, week, 10 books a week. Like, I can read fairly fast. So sometimes I can finish one or two books in a day. It depends on what sort of day I'm having. Currently, since I'm on spring break, I have a lot more time to read, but mm -hmm. usually I'm finishing one book a day, sometimes two. Okay. Oh, fun. Well, I can't wait to hear what's on your list. Here's how this works, Grace. You know, you're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and we'll talk about what you should read next. Although I'm kind of afraid you've read everything, <laughs> but we'll find out. Let's start with your favorites. What are three books you love? One of them is... In general, the Harry Potter series has mm -hmm. had a big impact on my reading life, specifically mm -hmm. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, I'm reading that right now with my six-year-old. We have one yeah. hour left out of like 22 on Audible. Now, how wow. old were you when you read through that series for the first time? I'm not sure. I think I was in kindergarten-ish. I read them pretty early. Mm -hmm. I remember over summer vacation, just like sitting in the living room and reading through the books. Some of the stuff went over my head at first, but then I could reread them and sort of get it more. Mm -hmm. How many times do you think you've read the books? I don't know. Probably countless times. <laughs> I'd have to say I've read the entire series probably since I got it at least like seven or eight times. Wow. Now, what is it about Goblet of Fire that makes it the highlight of the series for you? Well, I mean, the other Harry Potter books are amazing with their magic and stuff. And of course, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire has that too. But what really struck my fancy are the puzzles that like Harry has to solve in order to advance in the competition. Because mm -hmm. I enjoy books that are paced that way, where characters have to solve a puzzle because you get to solve it right along with them. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. Okay, what what's your second favorite? I would have to say the book The Martian. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And as you might know, the movie came out fairly recently, and this is probably the only book that I read that I read it after I watched the movie. What made you want to do that this time, since that's well, not I mean, your usual? 
I watched the movie and I really liked it. And then a couple of days later, um, I was going into a bookstore and I saw that they had a book form and I didn't know that they had a book of it. Uh-huh. And so I picked it up. I started reading and I convinced my parents to buy it for me. And then I read the 600 odd pages that night. Do you convince your parents to buy you a lot of books in bookstores? It depends on if they think they're I'm going to read them or not. Uh-huh. Like, for example, if it's something like a book about a video game, like, for example, about Minecraft or something, then I'm probably only going to need to read it once in order to get the knowledge from it. So uh-huh. I don't usually have to pester them to buy me that many books about that, but... If it's something that I know that I'll want to read again and again, mm-hmm. like some of the books that I have on my bookshelf now, mm-hmm. then yes, I can be very persuasive. <laughs> Does your family spend a lot of time in bookstores together? Um, We do. We're actually going to a book sale later today. Oh, fun. I hope you find some good stuff. I hope I do too. Grace, what's your third favorite book? This isn't really so much of a book as it is a series, and uh-huh. it is the Warriors series by the Aaron Hunter team. I do not know these books. Tell me about them. So they're basically about this house cat. Well, the original series is about this house cat named Rusty, and then he goes off into the forest and finds these strange, quote, clans of cats living in the forest, mm-hmm. and they're trying to survive by hunting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And They have, like, a complex political structure and stuff. And in the end, it's a book about talking cats. And cats are my favorite animal, which Mm -hmm. is what initially drew me to the series. Mm -hmm. But I find it pretty interesting because it's all about, like, survival and stuff. And then, like, you end up rooting for some characters to survive. And then, like, they get in wars and stuff. And it's pretty complicated. How did you discover that series? Um, It was actually around the time that I moved to... Um, a new school and there were these girls there that also really liked reading and I wanted to become friends with them because we all really like to read books uh-huh. and then they were like you have to read the warrior series and so they went on and on about it and so I realized if I'm going to be their friends I should probably read the series and so I read the series and it was pretty good I'm glad to hear it so are they now was there recommending a series to you you loved an indication that they were the kind of people you'd want to be friends with? Sort of, yeah. And I actually, okay. like, sort of first became acquainted with them because we both liked the Harry Potter series and we were reading mm-hmm. it at the time. Have you seen those posters that say things like, seeing a person reading a book you love is like seeing a book recommend a person? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you relate to that? Yes, nice. definitely. Grace, are there any books you hate? You know, I can't really say that there are any books that I specifically hate because, I mean, I'm willing to give any book a try. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I put it down after the first try because I think it's too boring or something, I'll pick it up later and just slowly become drawn into it like I usually do. Mm -hmm. So I usually give books second chances. Mm -hmm. However, there's like one thing that makes me not want to read a book in general What's that? And that thing is, it's bad writing structure, sort of. What? Like, Tell me about that. For example, that. like, grammar and spelling mistakes, even if they're done in, like, a, quote, casual format, will almost make me want to scream. I really, 
I'm picky about my grammar, mm-hmm. and I have been for a while. And, like, if they have things like badly written plot, like, it jumps around from place to place, mm-hmm. and you can't get a handle on what's happening, then that just really confuses me, and then I have to put books down because I just don't know what's happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And so much stuff has happened that I can't really pick up where I left off. Okay. So books with poor grammar and plots that don't make sense are not for you. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah. Okay. What are you reading right now? Um, Currently, I'm reading two books. Um... There's one called Life as We Knew It by Susan Beth Pfeffer. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh-huh. Um, and one that's called Hoot. It's by Carl Hussein. I hear my mom whispering to me in the background. <laughs> I was waiting to let you pronounce that last name because I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I'm not sure. How are you enjoying those two? Um, they're both really good. Um... Life as we knew it has been a read and a reread and a re-re-read for a while. Oh, wow. Because I picked it up off of a bookstore shelf once, and then I ended up just getting it. And then I just found it pretty interesting. Nice. So you keep coming back to it. Yeah. It sounds like that's a pretty common thing for you. Yeah. I mean, considering how fast I read, I don't think I'll... I don't think I'd be able to get books fast enough to be able to be reading a new book constantly. Mm -hmm. So I often end up going back to old favorites that I like. However, if I read a book over and over too many times in a row, then I just sort of start to memorize the plot. And then that's why I sort of avoid doing it because sometimes I'm just like, I already know what happens in all of the book. (laughs) So it sounds like finding good books to read is a challenge for you. Yeah, sometimes it is. What methods of finding good books have been successful for you in the past? What are your go-to um, methods? Well, in our local library, there's a new reads shelf. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like books that are like new to the library. Mm-hmm. And so when I go into the library, I usually just like skim that shelf for anything. Because sometimes they're getting like new like things in a series, which is why I liked the Warriors series. Because mm-hmm. there's almost always a new book coming out. They've had, like, I think they're going on their fifth new series in the same universe. So there's pretty much always a new book to read Uh from them. That's nice. So, yes, getting the new read shelf usually works. Uh Uh-huh. Glad to hear it. It's good to have a go-to method. Grace, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? Well, I mean, I'd like to start reading some, like, new books. Because, like, I really like the books that I have right now. And I love reading them, and I love reading in general, but sometimes I find a book, and then I start reading it, and then it doesn't catch my interest like I hoped it would, Mm -hmm. and then it's sort of a letdown, because I just spent half an hour reading a book that I'm not going to like. Oh, I relate to that all too well. Yeah. Grace, tell me a little bit about what you want to write, and how your reading life plays into that. Currently, I have quote, written a science fiction story. Why does that that get quotes? Like, I've been slowly working on it Mm -hmm. for the past, like, year. And it started as just, like, a school project. And now it's, like, 50 pages long in a Google document. Uh And I keep coming back to it because sometimes I feel like I'm making it too complicated. But, 
overall, I think that it's working out pretty well, and I get a lot of my ideas for what I'm going to write from what I've been reading currently. Mm-hmm. For example, the one that, that science fiction one was heavily based off of the fact that I had been reading um, Divergent, and I was like, ooh, this is actually pretty interesting. I like this idea of a dystopian society where like stuff is assigned at a certain age. And so I sort of took that and like borrowed from certain other books to pull together a original plot line. Mm -hmm. Nice. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about, you mentioned in your email that you'd read a lot of dystopian books, but a lot of them weren't very good. Can you explain that to me? Well, I mean, like considering that, Like, there have been huge dystopian hits such as Diversion and The Hunger Games, and they've been made into big movies, and oh my goodness, a lot of authors, especially ones that aren't very good and want to make up for that, try to write dystopian plotlines, and then sometimes they end up not doing it very well, because they're trying to churn out something that can match Divergent and The Hunger Games, and so they're, like, writing it way quicker and revising it less than they should be. Mm -hmm. You think they're just trying to rush it to market to capitalize on the hot trend? Yeah, because currently dystopian is what's in right now. Uh And I mean, there are good dystopian novels out there, but a lot of the market is becoming like polluted and stereotyped for being a teenage girl dream because a lot of writers that haven't had ideas are capitalizing on the fact that dystopian novels are popular. Yeah. Okay, so you're looking for inspiration on how to make your novel a good one, not just a copycat one? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I am definitely going to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. as I think about books for you. Grace, I have all kinds of ideas for you, although you have read so much. Yeah. We'll, We'll get to it after the break. Okay. Hey readers, before I give Grace my recommendations about what she should read next, I want to let you know that today's sponsor is Book of the Month. If you're an avid reader, there's nothing better than getting lost in a great new story. Book of the Month is the subscription box that keeps your reading life adventurous. Each month, you'll choose from five powerful, immersive new books you might not have heard of otherwise. They deliver your choice directly to your doorstep. Check out Book of the Month and discover a better way to read. Better yet, save 50% off a new three-month membership with the code READNEXT. That means you get three brand new hardcovers for the crazy low price of $7.50 each. Go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash book to get started and use the code READNEXT to save 50% off your new membership. So remember, that's whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash book. Now back to the show. Readers, welcome back. Grace, it's obvious that you read a lot and read widely, and I'm guessing a whole lot of listeners are jealous that since you already know what you like and that you want to be an author, you can start reading all those books now and have a good chance of finding books you'd like to read. So I'm excited to to try and put some more books on your list. I'm excited to get some new books. I am really going to take to heart what you said about your own novel um, and what you said about the dystopian wannabe novels. And... I chose three books. I have a slightly different reason for each. And let's let's see what you think. Okay. Okay. So book one is a classic, but it's not even a book. I'd really like to see you take a look at the Ray Bradbury short story, All Summer in a Day. Do you know anything Ooh. about it? 
No, I've read a bit of Ray Bradbury, but I can't say that I've heard. What have you read by him? I've read the book Fahrenheit 451 uh-huh. originally for class, but like I enjoyed reading it too. Uh-huh. I was thinking about recommending that to you because it's it's a dystopian novel that's done really well, like a pillar yeah. of the genre. Yeah. Okay. And like the discussions in class really helped it. Oh, good. That's good. It sounds like you must have a good English teacher then. Yeah. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it because it would be a real waste if you got a bummer of an English teacher. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about this, but I no spoilers because that would just be awful. Okay. So here's what happens. It's the future. He doesn't say when exactly. Humans have colonized Venus. And at the story's beginning, what we have are a whole bunch of school children. They're nine years old. They've been living on Venus with their families their whole lives, and they haven't seen the sun for seven years. I think it's been seven years. It's been raining nonstop longer than they can remember. The sun came out when they were two, but all they remember is just rain, rain, and more rain. But when the story... Yeah, right? So this is where Bradbury is so good. His setups are so good. When the story opens, the scientists think that today the sun will come out. And so all the kids are getting ready to go see the sun. But there's one girl... She's the outsider. Her name's Margot, and she lived in this exotic place called Ohio until age five, and she remembers the sun, and that makes her different from the other kids. She misses it desperately. They don't understand her deal. So that's the setup, and Bradbury is so good at this, like he was in Fahrenheit 451. It's almost your world, but he just makes a couple tweaks, and it's simple and believable and he adds just enough detail that you can really see the setting like he paints really sparse but rich pictures somehow at the same time that sounds interesting yeah so he takes that setting and then like he did in fahrenheit 451 he layers a human story on top of it so you have kids that totally seem like kids you could know they're mean sometimes they get jealous they are very very human and he shows us these kids on venus And we have Margot, and we have the sun getting ready to come out, and you want to know what happens next. And I'm not going to tell you, because you you have to read it for yourself. The way he he structures the story, the way its action rises and falls, is really, like, you don't ever forget it. Um, Definitely. Yeah. How does that sound to you? It sounds like something that I'll definitely read. Excellent. And I think because it's a short story published in 1954, you could find it on the internet. Google all summer in a day, and you could read it at your computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, book two is The Age of Miracles by Karen Thompson Walker. And I remember this as being a YA book, but in doing some research, it sounds like it's an adult novel about kids that often gets shelved as YA. So if you're interested in publishing, that was just a strange little distinction. Do not read this before All Summer in a Day, because in the book, the characters read All Summer in a Day in school, which is very meta, like in a dystopian novel. They're reading a dystopian story. It's kind of fun. Here are the caveats for this. The writing is fine. It's not amazing. And the plot does get a little bit muddy in the middle. You'll know what's going on. It just doesn't maintain the like, oh, got to turn the page, got to turn the page, but stick with it Mm -hmm. because the concept of the book totally makes up for it. It's brilliant. So yeah, there have been some books like that that I've read where it can sometimes get boring, especially at the beginning or the middle. But then uh after you get past that, it can sometimes really get a huge turnaround and pick up. Yes. Tough question. But you can, can you remember any of what the titles were off the top of your head? I'd have to look at my reading journal to answer that. 
I wrote down, like, I have a piece of paper here, and I wrote down all summer and day so that I can look it up later. Uh-huh. Great. Well, you know the line from poetry, some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice? Yeah. Okay. Well, in Walker's book, she talks about how that's what the scientists debated, like, oh, how's the world going to end? How's the world going to end? And they think it's ironic that it turns out to be neither of those. What happens in the Age of Miracles is the rotation of the Earth slows down. They call it the slowing. And nobody notices at first. There are just a few rogue extra minutes in the Earth's rotation at the beginning. But but the rotation keeps slowing more and more. So what happens is, is it takes the world longer to turn. The periods of daylight grow longer and longer from 12 to 18 to 24 and then 48 hours. And the periods of darkness, of course, also grow longer. And this causes all kinds of problems that she explores in great detail. Like it never would have occurred to me to do this, which is why I really enjoyed reading somebody else who had that kind of imagination. So it affects people physically, some more than others, and obviously psychologically. And the environment is affected seriously. That sounds extremely interesting. Extremely interesting. And then there are all these political repercussions that I never would have thought of. It's just really fascinating. Mm. But it's also a coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. The narrator is a sixth-grade girl. And the title of this book, The Age of Miracles, isn't about the slowing at all. But they're talking about her own adolescence and all the changes that happen in a girl's life as she's in that... 12, 13, 14-year-old range, just everything that changes, especially when she's living in a world where everything is changing so fast. How does that sound? That definitely sounds really interesting. Okay. i very curious to hear what you think of all these. Um, the third book is a good book, but I'm including it kind of as a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. It's Ultraviolet. It's by R.J. Anderson. Um, it got great reviews, and by all means, read it. It has a great setup, wonderful narrative drive, well-drawn characters, but it felt really, really busy to me. So in contrast to the other titles here that have like the Bradbury, the Walker, mm -hmm. we have a great premise and then we just go from there. This one keeps piling on the complications. I think mm -hmm. you'll enjoy it, but I still, you know, put yourself through English class in your head and just notice how it's different than the others. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's so good, but Reading it, you're like, really? Did you? Did we really need that too? And that that also? <laughs> so, because she does keep piling it on. So, mm -hmm. here's the setup. It's about a girl named Allison. She's 16. She's in high school, and when the story opens, she is in the mental hospital and has been there ever since her classmate disappeared because Allison thinks it's her fault. And a cool detail I really liked about this book is that Allison has synesthesia. Do you know what that is? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's. You know, but for people who don't, it's a normal but not super common condition. I think it affects like 4 or 5% of the population. Does that sound right? It's, yeah. It's where when the mind perceives one sense, it also perceives another simultaneously. So what this most often looks like is colors being associated with certain numbers or days of the week having their own color to go with it. Um, one scientist's book about synesthesia is called Wednesday is Indigo Blue. So Allison likewise experiences numbers as colors, and she also can hear the stars and taste lies, and that's mm. her synesthesia. But her mom has always told her to keep it a big secret, and she assumes – she doesn't know that this is a fairly normal, if not common, phenomenon. She thinks at bottom the secret means that she's mentally unstable and ought to be in the mental institution. 
So the synesthesia alone doesn't explain what happens to our classmate. Anderson takes this story in directions that I never anticipated and kind of wonder if it needs, but it's still, it's a good ride. It's packed with drama, totally hard to put down. I think you'll enjoy it. And I think it'll help you think about what makes stories work, what weighs them down, um, how stories have their own personalities and what kind of stories you want to write. What do you think? That really does sound very interesting. Well, I hope you enjoy it. My babysitter told me about that one. So cool. we, it, it was fun to have somebody to talk about it with. And I hope that you um, can find the same. Grace, what do you think you'll read next? Um, I don't know. All the books that you recommended sound really, really interesting. And I will be looking forward to reading them as soon as I can find them. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it was a pleasure. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Grace. If you have an idea for what Grace should read next, or if you just want to tell her how much you enjoyed hearing from her today, go to the show notes page at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 16 and leave a comment there. That's where you'll also find a list of all the books we discussed in today's episode. Before we go, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at what should I read next. And remember, check out book of the month at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash book and use the code READNEXT to save 50% off your new subscription. You'll get three brand new hardcovers for the unbeatable price of $7.50 each. Readers, that's it for this episode. As Reiner Maria Rilke says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs>